then, a very warm welcome to Bergos Now. It's my great pleasure today to have a guest with me. Joining us from Athens today is Thanos Sofios. Hello, Thanos. Hi, Aurelia. Great to be here with you. We're, we're very pleased to have you. We're going to look together at a very interesting subject today that I think in this format we don't take a look at enough. So I invited you today to join us and share your expertise. It's about shipping. Um, for all of our listeners who are looking at our logo, they might notice the ship that is in the center of our emblem. It represents how, let's just say, close to our heart and history, shipping as an industry is. Still today, it is a big focus area of our bank. And today, we're going to look at the important part it plays in our global economy. One number that might surprise you, dear listeners, that certainly always surprises astonishes me really, is that 85% of the global trade volume is carried by ship. That's a lot. It's obviously an important part of the global economy, to say the least. Um, Thanos, you're joining us today. Can you tell us more about those 85%, please? You're right, Aurelia, about uh, shipping and its volumes. Uh, as a fun fact, I always remember what uh, Erling Nice, a legendary Norwegian ship owner, used to say. God must have been a ship owner, as he placed the raw materials far from where they were needed and covered two-thirds of the earth with water. <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, Thanos, before we dive into the big picture of the shipping industry, let me maybe tell our listeners why you are here today and why you are the right person to shed some light on this sector together with us. So, Thanos Sofios, you are a partner of Breakwave Advisors. This is a New York-based company that offers asset management and advisory services to the shipping and commodities industry. So that is, of course, where your expertise comes from. Five years ago, the company was the first one to introduce the only freight futures exchange-traded product exclusively focusing on dry bulk shipping, also known as, I now know this, Be Dry. And only a few days ago, they also la launched, also at the New York Stock Exchange, the Be Wet ETF, focusing on tanker shipping freight rates. So a lot of things that I don't know much about. So I'm happy that Thanos is here today to take a look at that. And maybe another little disclaimer that we do not work with you, dear Thanos. Um, so you offered yourself really as an for us independent outside eye to take a look at this big picture of the shipping industry. So why don't we dive right in? Can you give us the big picture? Sure. Uh, there are two major categories when it comes to commodity shipping, uh, dry bulk and tankers. Uh, dry bulk is almost 50% of the whole industry, and the main cargoes here are iron ore, coal, and grains. The tankers, on the other hand, transport uh, crude oil and its products and account for another 25% of global shipping. The 25% that is left are containers, gas products and bulk chemicals. And if we focus on what I, if I got this right, is the biggest segment of the market, the dry bulk. Can you explain to me, please, Thanos, what factors, as I don't know anything about this, what factors drive this market? As in all industries, demand and supply drive and define the price. The price in shipping is the freight rate. Freight rates are quoted on USD per day, reflecting how much it costs daily to lease a specific ship. So mm -hmm. demand for the main commodities 
and supply of ships that are available for transporting these commodities define freight rates. Geography-wise, dry bulk is an Asia-focused shipping segment, more specifically China-focused, as uh, China represents the great majority of demand, making dry bulk shipping a levered play on Asian and Chinese trade and growth. Imagine, Aurelia, that uh, China accounts for more than 60% of global dry bulk demand. Construction and infrastructure spending are the main drivers of steel demand. To make steel, you need iron ore, and all this iron ore is transported by ships from far away. So infrastructure building is the main driver. To a lesser extent, energy demand also plays a role, as coal still remains a large part of global electricity generation. Saros, that's super interesting. So the, the, that little joke that you started with, the, you know, with the hint that the commodities are placed far, far from one another, can you tell me what the sources of these commodities are? The source of uh, these commodities is quite dispersed with both the Atlantic and the Pacific Basin supplying cargoes to the market. The major exporting nations are uh, Australia, Indonesia, South Africa, Brazil, Colombia, the US and Canada. Okay, so I understand that the balance of supply and demand of ships determines freight rates. Yes, and uh, when demand exceeds supply, rates move higher and the opposite. Due to the fact that uh, ships take days or weeks to reach a specific point, Imagine, Aurelia, that the trip from Brazil to China takes 40 days. The supply in the short term is very inelastic, which means rates tend to move up considerably during periods of tight markets. It is not unusual for rates to double over a period of a few weeks, although over longer mm -hmm. periods, rates generally are determined by global supply and demand. Well, that does sound like a very volatile market to me, Thanos. Correct, Aurelia. Freight rates are quite volatile compared to other commoditized markets due to this inelastic nature of ship, of ship supply. The annualized volatility for the big Cape size bulkers spot rate has averaged more than 100%. In the long term, the idiosyncratic character of shipping where incremental supply is not readily available due to the long lead times to build a ship, has made shipping a very profitable market, as during periods of strong, strong economic growth, ship owners have ended up holding a very valuable asset and asking for increasingly higher rates. On the other hand, oversupply of ships has historically been the biggest problem of the industry, as when it happens, it dump, dampens returns. I guess what everybody who's well, most of the listeners who are also typically investors of this podcast, um, I guess my question would be, why should I invest in shipping then? Looking at the historical correlation of the Baltic Dry Index, which is the dry bulk freight benchmark, one can easily see that there is no meaningful correlation between shipping rates and other major asset classes. This mm -hmm. uncorrelated nature of dry bulk shipping makes it an ideal diversifier in an investment portfolio. Also, yeah. due to this uncorrelated nature of the sector, 
and allocation into dry bulk shipping may improve overall portfolio risk-adjusted returns at a period when the, in the industry is expecting a, a cyclical upturn. It could mm -hmm. also be used already as a leverage play on the commodity cycle with high beta and volatility compared to the underlying commodities. Would you then, Thanos, consider shipping as a buy and hold part of an investor's portfolio? In my opinion, uh, given its high volatility and seasonality, shipping as an asset class is not suitable for a buy and hold position. It is mm -hmm. rather ideal for tactical moves. Seasonality is very profound in dry bulk shipping. The second half of each year should be expected to be stronger in terms of spot rates, reflecting higher iron ore trade flows, more coal trading as a result of expected mm -hmm. heating demand, and increasing sure. grain exports following the harvesting season in North America. So mm -hmm. a strategy of buying futures in the spring would be a profitable one on average, as the market tends to underestimate such rate seasonality. That's very interesting. So I guess follow-up question to that is then how would an investor obtain some exposure in the shipping asset class? How do we invest in shipping? Uh, there are four ways to participate as an investor in the dry bulk shipping industry. One, you can invest in a ship. Buying a ship is expensive though, requires complicated operation, operations and is a very specialized, unrealistic investment for the great majority of investors. Two, yeah. you can invest in shipping stocks. On the equity front, there are a dozen of dry bulk stocks listed in the US and another, say, 10 globally. In the US, the smallest one has 10 million in market cap and the largest one has only 600 million. Combined, they trade roughly 60 million USD in value per day. Most of okay. them remain over levered and uh, with a lot of legacy debt. So it's a small capitalization and low liquidity equity market. Three, you can invest directly in freight futures. Nevertheless, the freight futures remain a market that is mainly used by industry participants with minimal access by outside investors. To invest mm -hmm. uh, directly in, in freight futures requires a complicated and cumbersome account opening process with high minimum capital requirements. Also, the voice brokering structure of the market and the absence of uh, screen-based trading makes this market extremely difficult to access for the great majority of investors today. Or, and that's the fourth way of investing, you can buy a shipping ETF that invests in freight futures like you would buy yeah. any other ETF in the stock exchange. And of course, you're an expert in that field, Thanos, as we know. That's wonderful. Thank you. It's a very good overview. Um, well, then, I guess my last question would be, or one of my last questions maybe, is how do you see the dry bulk shipping market today? What's your current view? Dry bulk uh, focus shifts back to fundamentals. Uh, following a period of high uncertainty and significant disruptions across the commodity spectrum, the gradual normalization of trade is shifting the market's attention back to the traditional demand and supply dynamics that have actually shaped dry bulk profitability for decades. As effective 
fleet supply growth for the next few years looks marginal, demand will be the main determinant of spot freight rates, with China returning back to the driver's seat as the dominant force of bulk imports and thus shipping demand. Currently, as freight rates continue to gently move higher, one can feel an air of optimism amongst market participants. Our view for a further gradual increase for Cape size spot rates remains in place, while at the same time we also feel that the current setup is more characteristic of a calm before the storm type rather than a fundamental mm. shift towards stability in the marketplace. As a result, Aurelia, we expect the month of June to be quite volatile and our forecast, mm-hmm. our initial forecast calls for a jump in spot Cape mm-hmm. size rates ahead of the fiscal year end for some of the major Australian miners. The dry bulk market is better balanced compared to the last decade and that calls for higher lows and higher highs absent a significant deterioration in shipping market demand. Thanos, thank you for those insights. It's super interesting. Can I ask a not critical question necessarily, but it, I would I would be interested in the question of if, if the market agrees with that. What's the market's consensus? I would say yes, Aurelia. Overall, uh, dry bulk shipping is a $50 billion a year industry with demand mm. driven by global infrastructure spending and emerging markets growth. The industry is entering a phase of uh, slower supply growth as very few new ships have been ordered in the last few years. And yes, most analysts expect a strengthening in dry bulk rates for the next three years as demand is expected to grow faster than supply. In addition, commodities are also coming out of a major down cycle, which also adds to the favorable macro picture for shipping. Timing is of major importance and now looks quite favorable as the global economy is once again focused on infrastructure spending. Thanos, thank you. I I think this was such a wonderful overview of everything that we need to know and be equipped to um, just be better informed, I guess, about this very important and interesting asset class and area of the world. Is there anything you want to add? No, that's that's all, Aurelia. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you, Thanos. It was really delightful. Thank you very much for taking the time. And I do hope that you will be back uh, at some point with us and that we meet in person when the when you're in Zurich next or I'm in Athens. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much for today. And we thank you, dear listeners, as always, very much for listening. We are back next Friday with more from Bergos Now. Until then, I wish you, as always, a beautiful weekend and a pleasant and successful week. Bye-bye.